You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's dive into our QB1 segment. All right, Dan, so this is uh, this week, as we alluded to, what Justin Fields accomplished against the Vikings uh, was significant. Uh, how significant depends on where your standards are and how desperate you are to see progress and how much you want to see more. But how would you, I guess, the size of the step that Justin Fields took in your world, how big was it? Small. <laughs> in a word, small, right? Like, David, I think that y- you know as well as I do that success in the NFL is about consistency, right? And, and and let's start with just playing one good game, right? Not just one good half. We saw in Pittsburgh last year, there was a good half and everyone felt in early November that Justin Fields had hit the springboard for his career coming out of a game in Pittsburgh on primetime where he led the Bears to a, a, a go-ahead touchdown drive in the fourth quarter and played really well in the half. And what did it amount to? Nothing. The rest of the season was inconsistent and there were ups and there was downs and there was uh, injuries and, and illnesses and absences and everything else. And there was just no momentum that was able to be built. And so th- th- there's no way it even qualifies as a medium step until it becomes consistent, until you see it multiple weeks in a row. You can't just have a good half and expect the rest of the world to, to forget the first four weeks of the season. It's in, in, in some pockets of the Bears fan base this week, that's the thing that is, has astounded me, David, is this idea that like the first four weeks don't exist and all the struggles that Justin had that were well-documented and much talked about were gone simply because he completed 12 out of 13 in the second half and got into a groove for the first time in five weeks. And so, look, again, this has got to be a nuanced discussion. It's got to be a discussion that has proper context and perspective. And like I said earlier, it's okay to acknowledge progress. It's okay to to feel better about what you watched, right? I think we all felt a little more energized seeing that half. But then it's just about making sure that you keep the guardrails on the significance that you're attaching to things. And I think in some pockets, there has been an outlandish reaction to this. David, I'll tell you some of the things that I've seen on social media or in articles or things that have been said. I've, I've heard the word right. phenomenal thrown right. away. There was nothing phenomenal on Sunday. I've heard uh, turned a corner, right? Turned a corner. Nope, nope. I, I, I've covered the Bears for 10 seasons. I know how many turned a corner incidences were not actually turning a corner, right? It was just a thing. Uh, arrived. The quarterback that the Bears thought they drafted in 2021 arrived Sunday. Did he arrive? No, he had a good half. And now it's about having a good half followed by a good game Thursday night, followed by a good game in New England. And now all of a sudden you generate momentum and you generate consistency and then you generate belief. And so look, like again, yes. Step forward, correct. Small step forward, absolutely. Beyond that, I can't really go much further than that. And we'll get into some of the details on why in a minute. 
Well, I think that we want to be consistent ourselves. So I, I think that when he struggled mightily in previous games this year, we had a plea for patience and perspective saying, yeah. okay, criticizing isn't concluding and neither is praising. We're not drawing conclusions here five weeks in, five games into his second season. So I think that the same restraint that we asked for when people were wanting to go a negative direction, I think that we're just asking for people or I guess showing ourselves. I, I don't really, again, I don't, you can react however you want to react, but I think that I'm still going to be a little bit restrained in, in making too much out of what we saw. There was progress. The one significant thing, and I guess I would quibble with you a little bit, the one special thing that I think that I saw was the 52-yard run that was called back that because of the block that was illegal or maybe it was, it doesn't matter. But in that play, yeah, I think that Justin Fields reminded me how special he can be. And it also reinforced this idea why some so many people are so excited about his future. Because I think those are the things on that run you can't teach your coach. Those are the things that you can't really anticipate. That was explosiveness. And that's the kind of thing that makes good quarterbacks great, great quarterbacks MVPs. And Justin Fields has that. And I think seeing that again was significant to me because I had almost forgotten that he was capable of something like that. So that that is the only thing I would say. The other stuff I would I, I would agree with you because we don't want to get carried away. You can't let the second half of the Vikings game be, become this year's version of, la, of the 2021 fourth quarter against the Steelers. Yeah. You can't overreact that way. The one thing I felt bad about it for Justin Fields was – was not necessarily the loss, but the fact that he was deprived of chance to, in that final minute to finish a drive when he had things rolling, he was in command, and you, you started to think, okay, if he finishes this rally and he comes back into these circumstances, that would be undeniably significant because then you think maybe the Bears would have won that game and he would have been the reason why. Can I give you a little context pushback to that as well? The first snap of the final drive, Justin Fields loses his pocket presence and loses ball security and fumbles the football. True. David, and if Lucas Patrick doesn't dive on that football and the Vikings recover there, the entire afternoon goes down with a different narrative. Amir Smith-Marset is not Chicago's scapegoat for week six, right? He's off the hook because Justin made the, the mistake that sealed the loss. And so we, we can't, in our evaluation of Justin, just overlook those things that would have been a, a fate-sealing mistake. Listen, David Montgomery blew, blew the protection there. Braxton Jones didn't hold up his end of the bargain. But as a quarterback in those stages of that game, you have to make sure beyond all else that you protect the football and the football got away from him. He got stripped and the ball came out and they were lucky to recover it. And so this idea that, oh, you know, the the, the last drive was was just this this humming machine that was going along. And they were gonna, I mean, he threw two passes after that. They were both complete and they picked up some yardage. But again, this is not me trying to be a wet blanket. It's not me trying to rain on the parade. I know a lot of people will interpret it as that. It's just making sure that we see both sides of this. I'll go with you on the 52 yarder. Right. I, I think that is a, a terrific run and it's an instance that right now is just a flash right and and we need that flash to be the norm because there's been a lot of instances where Justin runs and he hasn't had the elusiveness that that play shows you that he's capable of, right? He runs into a hit or he's just not quite as as decisive or doesn't open it up to top speed fast enough, whatever it may be. That type of run should be one that Luke Getze runs five, six times in the meeting room this week and says, 
Justin, look at this. Look right. at how assertive you were. Look at how you baited the defense at two different points on that run right. to, to get them to ease up. And then there you are back to the middle of the field and you're gone. And if there wasn't this sort of uh, Hugh Holland's uh, Hubert Davis flop call, <laughs> right, right? Yeah. On, on Amir Smith-Marset, maybe, maybe that, that goes down in a different light. But again, I go back to that and I say the flash has to become the norm, right? And that's where we have to go to. And I know, we, we, again, if we're going to preach patient, you're right. You have to push back on me and say, if you're going to tell people to be patient, then you can't ask for everything to be perfect every single week. Well, it's and not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah, it, it, second year quarterback is not going to be perfect. That's fair. Not- and, and, and I deserve to, you know, this is this is a better, let me just say this. This is a better forum to have these kinds of conversations right. than in the replies of Twitter. Because, right. holy cow, David, the hostility right. from the pro fields crowd is is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Well, I mean, you should check out the live text line coming in the Molina <laughs> show every morning. That, that can be pretty uh, interesting as well. All right, so to get to that consistent point, Dan, I think that when you look at some of the things that uh, were the reasons behind him being 12 or 13 in the second half, why things got going after Mooney's one-handed catch, I, I look at some of the specifics and I want to see what you think. I felt like when you watch the game again, and Dave Wanstead talked about this on our show uh, on Tuesday morning as well, Justin Fields didn't let his eyes leave uh, whatever he was processing down the field. He didn't take his eyes off either the receivers or the defense the way that maybe in the past he had because of the rush and the pocket collapsing. When you do that as a young quarterback and you drop your eyes and you go back, all of a sudden, boom, you're dead. And I felt like whatever it was, he slowed the game down He even alluded to this after the game. He slowed the game down in a way that allowed him to feel less harassed, maybe not as much anxiety. That's it. That's the word. When you reduce your anxiety, I think you increase your accuracy. So he was able to, you know, put the ball in the money with with, uh, EQ St. Brown running that deep out. And he was able to hit Cole Komet in in a key spot and Mooney in another. And I feel like once he got rolling, once he was able to tell himself, hey, I can do this. I'm slowing this game down. It's coming to me. That was the guy that we need to see more often, and that's the consistency that he has lacked. No question. So less anxious is how I would I would phrase it, and you said it perfectly there because he did seem a little bit calmer inside the pocket when he was back there. Uh, he still makes a couple of those nice escape acts where, where he spins out the back of the pocket and scrambles for yardage or keeps his eyes downfield. He just seemed a little bit more settled, and that's growth, right? Like, that's right. the growth we're asking for. That's pocket presence. That's poise. My favorite throw of the day was a third and 10 conversion to Cole Komet. And, 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 and people, I, I tweeted this on Monday afternoon and people pushed back and said, that's basic NFL quarterbacking. And I don't disagree, but sometimes basic NFL quarterbacking is what makes success compound itself, right? The ability to stand in the pocket, to trust that your line is going to be holding up and not be kind of looking out of your peripheral vision, trying to figure out is someone coming from this side? Uh Oh, is there something that way? You just, you, you set at the top of your drop, you go through your reads and then you throw a, a fastball right on target to your tight end and you convert third and 10 and the drive keeps going. And now all of a sudden you've got this rhythm that we were lacking for four and a half weeks. Right. And, and now it's there. And so it's a basic play, but it's, it's, great teaching tool for Justin to say, look, the basic plays are what unlock everything else that's special. When you make the basic plays, Luke Getze told us going into that game that Justin had to understand how to take the cheap completions, right? And not that that one was a cheap one at all, but but it's it's those basic plays that mean something. I'll tell you this, that, that I, I've had an analogy forever. I say that that playing golf, playing quarterback and marriage are all the same because it's not about being a hero. It's about not screwing up 
And if you get into trouble, get out of it as fast as humanly possible. If you subscribe to that in those three areas of life, you'll probably be pretty successful. Yeah, you don't want to take a mulligan <laughs> in any of those either. Um, so, I, I, all right, that, those, those are good points. That's a great analogy. I want to ask you this before. Never turn down a mulligan either, by yeah, the way. Okay, exactly. <laughs> um, the, the, the ability to use his feet is obviously one of his greatest strengths. And I wanted to know how you felt about he did still carry the ball eight times and with the ninth wiped out or else he would have had nearly 100 yards rushing. How do those complement – how does his running ability complement his passing ability? Do you think they're related? Do you think that when he gains seven on fourth and four because he just refuses to go down – does that empower him? Does that build his confidence? Because I think like a lot of young quarterbacks, I, mean, I think we saw in Mitch Trubisky in a positive way, the more he has success running the ball, it almost like seem, it seems as if the more comfortable he gets and the more confidence that is he, he shows in throwing the football. Do you see the same thing? Well, so, so interesting that you brought up Mitch because I thought Mitch did this well early in his career. And then he got injured twice, right? We, we know he got injured with a hit by Harrison Smith uh, in that 2018 season. And, and then again, early the following year, we're not even running, but just kind of trying to get out of the pocket and getting pulled down. And I felt like he became more hesitant as a runner after those injuries. People said, oh my God, the coaching staff's not letting him go. They're not turning him loose as a runner. No, they were. Mitch just had become a little bit more hesitant in that regard. And so Justin's got to be careful there i do think that that it, there's definitely a complementary aspect to his running and he's got to make sure that he doesn't over rely on it right that's what they're coaching inside the building like this is a gift we're never going to coach this out of you but don't over rely on it when you have a play to make make the play in the passing game first and then if you can't get out and use your gifts i do think justin has special situational awareness right he knows when it's third and fourth down he's always conscious of that and that goes back to, to the first month of his rookie season where you saw him uh, know where the, the the sticks are right if it's third down if it's fourth down if it's a we need this or else type of play Justin goes after it right and, and I appreciate that and I applaud that about him that deserves to be lauded uh, now you just have to, to to find that balance and I you know I said coming out of the Giants game that the 10 tuck and runs several which resulted in sacks seven which were I think scramble runs that was too high a volume because it tells you that there's no trust at all in the passing game if you have to bring the ball down on 10 passing opportunities and take off it didn't feel that way on Sunday even though the, the numbers were still there it just felt like it was more controlled less frenetic less frantic and so hopefully that's a positive step in the right direction as well you also heard something come out of the mouth of Justin Fields from behind the microphone you thought was a positive. I'll let you explain that one. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I, I'm going to explain this in two ways. And then I also want to get to a couple uh-oh things that I want to address in this conversation just to bring it full circle. But but Justin Smith was uh, I'm sorry, Justin Fields was asked post game Sunday afternoon about the fumble that Amir Smith Marset had to to close the game and like a true leader he he had his receivers back and he did the right thing in front of the the podium and and did the publicly proper thing in, in showing a, a sign of leadership now we're pulling this clip from a tiktok video that became very very popular on bears twitter on monday and the reason we're pulling it from there rather than just the live press conference feed is because of one significant addition but go ahead and listen to this yeah it's tough but um you know i know mir i know he's uh you know uh feeling down right now so our job is to pick him up and uh, you know he's a great player and I mean me personally I know what he can do on the field you know he's young second year so uh, he's, he's just got to learn from that mistake and you know keep going but you know he can be one uh, hell of a player in this league for sure surface level David good show of public support no question about it 
The reason I play that clip is because the gentle piano music and that nice little xylophone certainly make it feel a lot more documentary significant than it really was. I sat in that press conference. I said, that's a good public show of support. I didn't attach this level of viral significance that Bears fans took it to on Monday by putting piano music and, and a, a xylophone to it to try to prop it up as something greater than it is. And this is what, for me, it's, it's a, a snapshot of what represents my point about people getting carried away with those little things and trying to turn them into something that they're not. And I can't handle it. I can't handle it anymore. And I've got 12 more weeks to handle it. Very dramatic music. It, but, <laughs> but, but, but see, okay, so this, I, I'm not surprised. It's, it's sensible. But look, you've covered the NFL for a long time. You know that every week is a season. And nowadays to compare every every week now it being a season, every season is an episode. <laughs> so there's going to be this dramatic element yeah, yes. everything that becomes magnified. So that is the opening scene to the week five documentary on how Justin Fields fared. So, so, so here, here's, here's where it is, right? Like you're, you're absolutely right in that in terms of, of, you know, and this is where I get blowback a lot like that, that it is an episode and this is theater and this is entertainment for most of the world. Unfortunately, in the chair I sit in, I have to be a journalist, right? And, and so there becomes a detachment between the gentle piano music and the xylophone and what's actual reality. And, and so it's, it's, it, you know, it creates friction in the outside world. I would challenge our producer, Adam Stadzinski to take something that we've talked about here in this episode. <laughs> episode because we've talked about a lot and to find some some gentle piano music and when he puts out one of those promo tweets with a two-minute clip of our thing that he attaches some some beautiful piano music and all of a sudden david will sound more like there's more gravity to everything we're saying and that it means so much more and it'll be really cool for us to have that that touch Dan, just let me tell you my limited experience here <laughs> in, in sports talk radio i don't know that i want to go viral OK, that's not always something you want to do necessarily, but I do. Uh, I do think that's a good challenge for studs. So, yeah, yeah got to give them some homework. Yeah, so exactly. our so, so let's talk a little bit just to kind of bring this this Fields conversation full circle about some of the, the moments, right, like that that tell you that that growth needs to be made. And again, I'm not demanding perfection. I, w- I would never do that to a second year quarterback with the talent that he has around him right now. We've all acknowledged that it's deficient. Right. And he's going to need a lot more. Uh, and there are things there. And one play that exemplifies that is the incompletion to Dante Pettis along the left sideline where Justin doesn't throw a perfect ball, but an NFL receiver should catch it. And Dante Pettis drops. It, right. Oh, by the way, even if he had caught it, the play's coming back because Sam Mustafer held a guy in pass protection. And so that was an illumination of my God, right? Like this is where the Chicago Bears are at right now in terms of of functionality and talent, right? Like they just don't have enough there. You know, if, if Rogers throws that to Devontae Adams last year, that's a, a big gain of first down and things keep moving. And so eventually you hope Justin gets more guys who can complete that catch and keep a drive going and do all those things. And he has linemen that don't hold. But there's some other things. We talked about the fumble on the last drive, right? There's also an incompletion on the first series. It's a, a, a shot into the end zone to Darnell Mooney with one-on-one coverage and, and, and the cornerback playing inside leverage. And, and Fields throws the ball outside and Mooney's running straight into the end zone. And it's a play that probably should have been a touchdown if they're on the same page. And they're not on the same page. And I think you've mentioned this a, a few times that these guys have worked so hard together for months and months, and they've propped up their relationship of, of establishing a connection as something that's incredibly strong. And yet at a moment of truth, it's not there, 
right? And, and there's some sort of disconnect and some sort of wire crossing that leads to an incomplete pass, which eventually leads to a field goal. And instead of getting yourself back in a game well before the end of the first half, you settle for a field goal and then you eventually go down 21 to three and you're struggling. So that's a moment there, right? Like that it needs to be sharper. It just does. It needs to be a touchdown. You need you need that to, you know, you need to make the right read. You need to put it where it should be. You're right. That's what comes with experience. You know, the, the Monday night football game, they talked about Devontae Adams and Derek Carr needing to regain the chemistry they had at Fresno State. Yeah. I guess it takes years to do that, even with guys who are making millions and millions of dollars. And you can't expect that from a second-year quarterback on a rookie deal with a fifth-round draft pick, Darnell Mooney. And that will come in time, but I agree with that uh, assessment in terms of that needed to happen at that point. By the way, Darna Mooney making $895,000 this year tells you everything about the Bears' investment in the wide receiving core when I yeah. found that three college football wide receivers. Bigger have NILs. Then <laughs> NIL packages that are more than Darnell Mooney, the number one receiver on this Bears offense. So that tells you about the amount of investment and resources allocated to a wide receiving core and how far they have to go to get it right. That's crazy. One more play I want to bring up, and I'm not going to belabor the point, but the the play immediately preceding David Montgomery's touchdown run in the second quarter, which got the Bears back into the game after the long completion of Mooney, feels his worst decision in the game by far. He gets out of the pocket, rolls to his left, does a good job of keeping his eyes up to see if something else is coming open. He is extremely lucky that that pass gets batted down by a linebacker because he is throwing into heavy traffic in the end zone. And instead of it being 21 to, to, to 10 at halftime, all of a sudden you're looking at a, an end zone interception that keeps it 21 to 3 and changes the narrative of everything, right? Like yeah. coming out of the half yeah. and everything that's going on. And for those who want to get in the weeds, go back and watch that play on your all 22 and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sure Luke Getze, I promise you Luke Getze brought that up in the meetings this week and said, Justin, man, like you cannot – make that pass you cannot throw that ball because it's it's dangerous and it's going to get you it's going to get us beat right so all that said right justin fields 12 for 13 135 yards and a touchdown 135.6 passer rating in the second half that's something to build on i would also say this and i just wanted to get your take on this what we saw from kirk cousins and kevin o'connell and the vikings offense in a similar system on Sunday afternoon, I, I called it on Monday afternoon, I called it a symphony. It was incredible to watch that in the first half, the way they were in rhythm, the way everything was clicking, the way Cousins had answers to anything the Bears threw at them, and they just touchdown, 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 right? And, and, and 17 completions in a row. He completes 22 for 26 in the first half for 217 yards. And, I, you know, I, I get it that it's apples to oranges comparing a veteran who's got skills players like Kirk Cousins have. But what the heck would Chicago's reaction have been if one of their quarterbacks ever had a half like Kirk Cousins had? And yet coming out of that game, it was like Kirk Cousins didn't exist. And, and the, the story for people in Chicago was that Justin Fields was on a rocket ship to start him all of a sudden. Well, the first half, I mean, Kirk Cousins was the maestro of that symphony and he would go to the line of scrimmage and they wouldn't even huddle. And he would be the conductor, literally looking at what he was looking at and dissecting the defense and telling people what to do. It was brilliant. It was fun to watch. They had 29 first downs. So when you consider what they did yeah. in the first half, and then frankly, what they did when they needed a drive, 17 plays, 70, you know, five That's yards. winning football. It's winning That's football. winning football. And you need that from your quarterback. And it did start with Kirk Cousins. But it also, I would remind you, it was noon on a Sunday. He's pretty good at noon on a Sunday. He would have been a great Cubs baseball player in the 70s. All played during the day, but don't turn the lights on because he will wilt. 
what time was his body clock on though? Because they were just coming back from London and I don't know how many days the adjustment is. It might've been like three or four London time at the, by, with the clock adjustment formula that you have to use. So I don't that know. It's true. That might've been, <laughs> might been true. Although, you know, the, you consider that he didn't, he blocked it out well enough that he wasn't in his mind, in his world, it was noon on Sunday in a beautiful, beautiful day in Minneapolis for the Vikings. But yeah, good points about Kirk Cousins. One day, Justin Fields may be that guy. He took a step in that direction on Sunday. And, hey, it's up to you to decide how big it is. Dan says it was not that big. Uh, I think it was, you know, not significant, but it was a step. So, Are you willing to go medium-sized? I went small. Are you willing I, to go medium-sized? I'm, I'm willing to go medium-sized. Okay. Only, only because I saw special. And if I saw special in that run, even though it was called back, I'm willing to maybe go a little, just a little bit further than you. Okay.